Well, good morning. I'm so happy to see you all. Thanks for joining us. If you're online as well, I don't get to see you, but you can say hello in the chat section. You can honk your horn out in the parking lot. We'll hear you. I, I won't, but somebody will hear you. I shaved my neck, so I think it's going to be a good morning. Just so you know, I shaved it. I got some new, uh, we call them in the South. Maybe you call them up here too. Tennis shoes. I think it's, do y'all call them tennis shoes? Or is it tennis shoes? Got some of these from Goodwill yesterday. Brand new with the tags on it. I'm so, so excited. And then I'm, um, you, you noticed it probably in here. I noticed it. I probably even noticed it if you're sitting in your car right now or online. That, that moment we just had, you know what I'm talking about when we were singing that last song? Something just it, it felt right. You know what I'm talking about? It's like, ah, oh, there's, there's something we've been longing for, and there it is. There it is. Oh, that's it, Jesus. That's you. It's speaking your name, right? It's a, a really neat thing. If that's kind of what you uh, experience, I'm going to explain to you why you just felt that, right? There's a uh, there's a real genuine reason that you felt that. And the scriptures today are going to show you that. So really, really excited. We are in a new series. By that, we just mean, hey, we got a lot of stuff to cover. And there's more stuff to cover than we can uh, in, in one week. By the way, if you're in here, you can take a look or back. You see that little bottom corner down there? There's a clock. I'm on the clock right now. So that helps us all stay focused, uh, particularly me stay focused. But I'm watching you. So when you when you look back there, I know you're ready for me to be done. So I'm watching you there. But we got a we got a clock, and so um, the series just means hey, it's going to take us a little while. And uh, this uh, it's called the official scent study guide. It's not a real study guide. So if you went looking for it on Amazon, you wouldn't find it. What you would find is a very similar one that said the official SAT study guide. This is crazy, kids. But back in the day, we had books to do these study and we didn't do that stuff online and so it's kind of a you know a, a kind of a reflection of that book the SAT study guide that created all the tension in our life to kind of prepare us for this test that defined whether or not we had any value right you you remember what that was like and so all this is is we're kind of looking at preparing ourselves for what God could have prepared for us don't want to do the hype thing and try to guard against this get against it as much as possible because I know what hope deferred is like but I'll just tell you, I think 2021 really is our year. And that, like I, like, I think our church has been around 295 years. And I think God is preparing this church, preparing you and I for what he has prepared for us. And I think some of the fruit of that is, a lot of the fruit of that is this year. And there's some precedent for that. You go back to the first century. There's this moment of preparation in order for kind of Jesus to hit this, you know, ignition switch where this movement just started. And so uh, what we're going to get to in about six weeks, we're going to see exactly how Jesus initiated this whole movement. And it is in the strangest way, using the strangest people, right? And so the idea that here we are 2,000 years later still singing about Jesus, opening up the, these scriptures, talking about these things, we're going to see where that started. So the reason we get to hear this today is because 2,000 years ago, there was a movement of people who started that. So you got a bunch of people, and then you also got... The Holy Spirit, that combination, our faith, human faith, and God's faithfulness to his spirit, when those things intersect every single time in the scriptures, every single time in life, miraculous, supernatural, unexplainable things happen. So we're going to see what God initiates in six weeks and see what Jesus decides to do to prepare these first sent ones, the first century apostles, these 12 ragamuffins who weren't, wouldn't have belonged to any other club, who get to be in the middle of the greatest movement ever to be made in the history of the world and we still get to be a part of it so we're going to see what it's like to prepare to be sent and live in that so what we're going to talk about a whole bunch over the 
next several days and weeks and months is this idea that Jesus actually is calling us on mission, right? Mission. And when we're talking about mission, what we're talking about, the kingdom of God, right? Bringing the kingdom of God to this earth, right? And so where we've been for more than half a, half a, a year. Oh, sorry. I'm going to bring the kingdom of God back. Uh, uh, more than half a year now. Uh, started way back in the middle of summer. Is this series called the Gospel of Luke. Just to remind you real quick. Luke was a real person in history. He was a medical doctor. Well experienced and educated. Had a, probably a great practice. And he leaves. He leaves his medical practice. Because this guy named Theophilus hires him. Not as a believer, not as someone who is confident of these things, but as a scientist and someone who knows how to research and who's educated to go and investigate whether or not Jesus is actually who he says he is. Right? So this guy, Luke, goes and tells us in Luke chapter 1 that he went and sat down and got all the eyewitness accounts, meaning he would have met with the apostles. He probably sat down with Jesus' mom and said, okay, tell me what that's like. Hey, shepherds, tell me what it's like to have these angels show up in the middle of the night. Like, yeah, yeah. What was, that, what was that like? Okay, which one of you wet yourselves, right? Like that he, he would have sat down and listened to all that stuff, and he would have taken good notes, and he would have gone and listened to all the local country preachers or rabbis standing up and teaching the, the Torah. He would have gone and listened to what all they were saying about the first century with Jesus, the, the things they had said that were um, affirming of who Jesus was, the things that were an uh, opposition to it, and he gathered all that stuff. And he would have gone and... I uh, got gotten all the written documents. So he had gone and found all the genealogies. He had gone and found all the Greek documents and the Jewish documents. He would have read the other gospel accounts. We think Matthew and Mark would have already been written. He takes all this stuff and he writes it all for Theophilus and us so that we can have certainty of the things that we've been taught. Taught about who and by whom? Jesus. So certainty about the things that we've been taught by Jesus about Jesus and so here we are 2,000 years later still open the same scriptures going okay that, if Luke's whole goal was that we could have certainty my guess in the middle of this chaos is all of us would like to have some real certainty and so we've just been kind of chronicling through it and so uh, the gospel of Luke is 1,151 verses it's, it's pretty lengthy and 568 of those verses are direct citations and quotes from Jesus' mouth. Really, really beautiful. And so we're going to have Jesus' commands. We're going to have all these things. We're going to have his parables, and today we'll get to see his parable. And so what we understand is it's all about mission. We're going to prepare for whatever the mission is, and the mission is bringing the kingdom of God to earth. Come on, kingdom, you got this. I, I believe in you. Bringing the kingdom of God to earth, and you go, well, well, how do we do that, right? And if you were with us the last several weeks, we've been talking about leaving where we are here and going there, meaning how do we engage in and participate in the kingdom of God? And what I shared with you, what you're all experts on right now is the way by which you access the kingdom of God is faith. Faith. And we told you that faith is a couple of things, right? One, faith is, uh, it starts with Jesus, meaning you can't like search deep down in your soul to find faith. It, it, it starts with Jesus. He is the initiator of faith. The other thing about faith is, you know, it doesn't have to be perfect. Your theology doesn't have to be perfect. These first century folks who are leaning in and trusting Jesus with their lives, blind people see, lame people walk, dead people live. They didn't have it all figured out. They didn't even know Jesus was God yet. And yet Jesus did some amazing things, right? Because faith starts with Jesus, and it doesn't have to be perfect. Your theology doesn't have to be perfect. Your understanding about the scriptures does not have to be perfect. And here's why. So it starts with Jesus. Two, it doesn't have to be perfect. And three, the most important part, 
has very little to do with your certainty and everything to do with the object that you're placing your faith in, right? You can be 10% certain and still lean all the way in, right? This is a lot like jumping out of a plane. You don't have to be real certain that the parachute's going to catch you. The only thing is the minute you jump, it's just too late. Either it does or it doesn't. You can be 5% certain, stumble out of that plane, whatever it is. So it's all about leaning in there. So it's all about faith. It starts with Jesus. That Your theology doesn't be perfect. And, and it's all about the object of your faith, faith in Jesus. And so many of you go, well, if it starts with Jesus, how exactly does it start with Jesus? Like, how do you and I participate in it now, right? Some of you have been going, okay, you say it starts with Jesus. I've kind of been waiting, been waiting, trying to wake me up in the middle of the night, been waiting for him to tell me what it is he wants me to do. I've been waiting, 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 and here is what's so strange. This other first century writer, his name was Saul. He has this crazy encounter with Jesus where he shows up. This is post-Jesus' death and resurrection, and Saul hates Jesus. He's killing and leading armies to kill first century Christians because he thinks it's silly and ridiculous and it's standing in the way of his theology, his understanding of who God is in terms of Jewish law. And Paul is going from town to a new town to kind of get the Jewish leaders to continue in the persecution of these first century Christians. And while he's walking on this road, it's called the road to Damascus, he's going to a new town. He has this interaction with Jesus, post-death, resurrection, and ascension. So this is Jesus, when he's already back with his father in heaven, and he shows up, and he knocks Paul down, and he says, Paul, or Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Meaning, what you're doing to my people, you're doing to me. And Saul gets blinded, and then, you know, a couple of days later, he, he gets his sight back, and he sees everything differently. Like, the, he gets this crazy faith, and then he, uh, Jesus literally changes his name, this new identity, and he now becomes the, the chief communicator and declarer of this mission. So he goes from uh, enemy number one to declare of the gospel number one in a matter of a week, right? So he's going to spend all of his time calling people to live in, participate in the mission of the kingdom of God through faith. And Paul, so, so nice of us, tells us in Romans exactly how we get faith. So we're going to read it real quick. And one thing you got to understand about Romans, this was a place that was affluent and educated. They didn't want for much. This was, they were highbrow, highly educated, nice homes, right? They were coming up with ways to have indoor plumbing. Brilliant people with a lot of comfort. Know anybody like that? Right? So these are, these are people like us 2,000 years ago that were like, ah, is it, I mean, maybe we should lean fully in, but life isn't that bad. And so Saul, who becomes Paul, is going to write to these people and tell them how much they need Jesus, right? He's going to start in Romans chapter 1 and declare pretty quickly how broken we are and how much we need a Savior. And then in Romans chapter 10, he tells us this pattern. And so I'm going to read it to you real quick. Romans 10, starting with verse 14. It's going to be up on the screen. It's going to be down below me if you're watching online or out in the parking lot. Here's what it says. How will, then will they, the people trying to figure out whether or not Jesus is Lord, call on him and whom they've not believed? Okay, you say it starts with Jesus, but how are we going to know if we haven't believed it yet? How do, we know if it is, how do we know when Jesus hits the initiation or the ignition button? And how are they to believe in him of whom they've never heard? Right? So that's some of us here. That's definitely a lot in our community, right? a lot in our world. How are they going to, if it starts with Jesus, how does it start with Jesus 2,000 years later? Because Jesus isn't in the flesh anymore, right? And then it says this, and how are they to hear 
without someone preaching. Now, just to be clear, that's not the guy up on the stage, what we're experiencing right now. That literally just means someone to herald with conviction, real conviction, the truth of who Jesus is. So how are people going to hear without someone preaching? So there has to be something communicated in this. And how are they to preach unless they're sent on mission? Okay, Paul. Paul's not going, okay, here's what you're figuring out. You're trying to figure out. You have to live on mission. It has to be operating in faith. But unless Jesus initiates it, you don't know what to do. So how are you going to even do that if you haven't heard it? And if you haven't heard it, how are you going to actually go and participate in it? Right? So, so how are they going to do it? Preach unless they are sent. As it is written, listen to this. How beautiful are the feet of those who preach or bring the good news. So Paul's going, those of you who have already started this, who've started to live on mission, the ones where Jesus has activated your faith, it's beautiful because this is the way by which the mission takes place. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring and preach the good news. But they've not all heard, not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? Okay, yeah, 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 I get it, but people being sent they're saying these things but not everybody believes in responding to it watch what he says in verse 17 so important so faith hear this hear this faith comes from hearing so this whole thing well how does it get initiated guess what by exactly what we are doing right now faith comes from hearing it doesn't even make a lot of sense but faith comes from hearing, literally. It, the, the, when I tell you, it starts with Jesus. I just want to be clear. It's starting with Jesus right now in our lives. This is so baffling. But that word hear doesn't mean you just hear it. It means faith comes from comprehending this. So it's actually hearing it, right? And so what are we talking about hearing? Well, there's a lot of words I'll use right now. What are we talking about? And hearing through the word of Christ, through the word of of Christ. So faith, faith, faith comes from hearing. Got it? Hearing. And hearing comes from the word of Christ. The word of God. Comes from the word of God. So one of the really important parts of how we operate in this is showing up and hearing the word of God. Now I want to be clear here. This is what's so interesting. 2,000 years ago, people didn't have uversion.com. They didn't have their own copies of the Bible. If they were lucky, they would have this little bitty slip with just kind of torn, you know, pamphlet that they would have just a couple of words. The, the way by which this movement started, the, the transmission of it was not through a bunch of individual Bible studies. Literally, it would be some person opened up and going, hey, got this letter from Paul. Let me read it out loud to you. And there's something about hearing this. So I just want to be clear. There's something about hearing the word of God. Hearing the word of God. So right here in this room, sitting right in your living room, right now in your car, like this is, this is how this whole thing get started. So hearing, 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 hearing comes from the, the, the word of Christ. Now that word is different than the other times we see the word in the New Testament. We have this logos, which means uh, the word of God. You know, like the, the, the Jews would understand it as God's commands and laws. And the Greeks would have understand it as um, the, that which underwrites all things. Like when we talk about words like karma, that's how they would have saw it. Like the, the word, the logos was this way of living so that you get the most out of life, right? So the Greeks would have been searching for that. The Hebrews have been searching for the word of God, but this isn't that one. This word is the word rhema, and it literally means the audible word. So this is the, the, it going out. There is something about the audible word going out, and Paul continues as this, but I ask, have they not heard? I thought everybody's going to hear. Have they not heard? Indeed, they have. Four, 
their voice has gone out to all the earth and their words to the ends of the world. But I asked, did Israel not understand? So no, no, this isn't that the Jews haven't heard it because it's gone out. Well, did Israel not understand? Uh, from first Moses says, I will make you jealous of those who are not a nation with a foolish nation. I will make you angry. Do they not understand this? Have they not seen this play out? Have the Jews not seen this play out? Have they not heard? Then Isaiah is so bold to say, have I not been found by those who did not seek me? I have shown myself to those who do not ask for me. So this isn't even about people even searching. He's going, God is using Isaiah to go, this word has made itself known. People just aren't comprehending it. But of Israel, he says this. All day long, I've held up my hands to a disobedient and contrary people. So he's going, it is available to all of us, even those who aren't interested even those who have walked away, even those who live in complete defiance of who God is, it is still available to us, meaning it's available to your neighbor. It's available to every single person you interact with. Why? Because God continues over and over and over again to extend his hand. Well, how does he do that? This is what you're going to see over the next six weeks. He does that through you and I. So here's the pattern. I want you to get it. I want you to see it. There is a specific way of which all this happens. Ready? First, you hear about it. You hear about it. We're hearing about it. This, you, you hear about it. This is the initiation of faith. You hear about it. Then, 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 then. You think about it. Really, really important. When uh, John the Baptist shows up and declares that this coming kingdom is about to be set, he goes this. He says, repent, for the kingdom of God is near. Now, you've heard it's all about our actions and our behaviors and make a 180. All that's true. But what initiates that uh, you know, that, that behavior modification isn't your white knuckling going, I can do this. It actually initiates. That word repent literally means to change your mind. Metanoia. It means that, to literally renovate your mind. So the first part of this is you hear about it. Here we are. And then you think about it. You, you consider this so that you can comprehend it, right? You know how this is like. You, you know when, and you want to get better at it all the time, right? You even said it out loud probably at some point in your life. You know how um, you meet a new person? We're not shaking hands right now. Some of you are like, yes, like me. I don't like shaking hands. But it's not because of germs. I'm just a weird person. But some of you are like, uh, and so you go, I'm going to shake their hand. I'm going to say hello. And then I'm going to hear their name, and I'm going to remember it. But how often does someone introduce you their name, and you're like 10 seconds later on, I have no idea what they said, right? So this is, this is that. This is hearing about it, but then coming up with a solution to actually think about it. Like maybe, you know, some kind of mnemonic device, okay? Her name is... You know, Regina, and her hair is red, whatever, right? And so you hear about it, you think about it. Now watch this. You're going to see it. Next step for us. We speak about it. There's actually this declaration. How beautiful are those who bring the good news. We speak about it. And guess what? This is, doesn't make a lot of sense at first glance, but it's so true. You just experience it. We just heard it. Then after speaking about it, guess what happens? We bring about it. We bring about it. I'm going to share it with you guys over here too, right? Uh, we bring about it. You got it? So there's something, and, and you know this, uh, you know, cognitively, you get this, right? Um, uh, the, the scriptures say in the Old Testament, there's power, the power of life and death is in the tongue, right? Right? And, but we say, you know, sticks and stones you know, can break my bones, but words have never hurt me. That's one of the top five greatest lies in the history of the world, Right? Because there are still some things that are like imprinted on your heart. 
things that a coach said or a parent said. They called you fat. They called you lazy. And here we are, 40, 50, 60 years, still trying to define ourselves as the opposite of what that person spoke, right? There's this something in this. We get it. We get that there are some words. In fact, words have done a lot more damage than the broken bones we've experienced. So we get that. We get that. And so what what, what the scriptures show us is that there literally is something about life being spoken out and experienced, right? So that's when we speak. We just sing it. We just sing it. You know what you're feeling there? We're speaking the name of Jesus. There's something in that that we're experiencing all those things, experiencing all those things. And there's a reason for it, right? First you hear about it. Then you think about it. As you think about it, you begin to speak about it. As you speak about it, you actually begin to bring about it. Here's the crazy thing. As you're speaking about it, guess what's happening? A whole new journey of people starting to hear about it, right? And so there's something cyclical about this pattern. And you know this even psychologically, right? right? We know that our thoughts, right? Our, Our thoughts become our beliefs, and our beliefs become our actions. You can't just say, I gotta, I gotta stop eating that food, the end, and then I'll diet and everything will be good, right? You actually have to go a little deeper and go, why do I need to eat that at nine o'clock at night? Right? You gotta consider about that. We even know, even like with addiction, it's not just about, okay, I'm gonna stop doing that. That never works. You gotta, you gotta dig a little deeper, invite some new people into your life, and you gotta think about it, right? And, and the more you think about who you are, the more you think about those things, the more and more and more your thoughts become actually what you believe. And finally, when you change your beliefs, it always changes your actions. So you hear about it, you think about it, you speak about it, and you bring about it. And so what we're going to look at now is Jesus is going to teach us specifically about this. He's he's been healing people, bringing dead people back to life, starting to initiate his mission and invite people in, and he has created a crowd, right? There is a critical mass now, and they're starting to follow him. So I'm going to start reading just where he left off last week. He's just He's just invited some new people in. There's these great women of the scriptures who start following Jesus, and literally they're actually funding this mission. Now, as they move from town to town, they pick up more and more followers. Some of these are sincere, deep followers. Others are just going, I don't know what's going on, but I got nothing else to do, right? And so we're going to read it, Luke chapter 8, beginning in verse 4. Here's what it says. So he's moving. And when a great crowd was gathering, and people from town after town came to him, he said... In a parable. This is what's so brilliant. Jesus teaches in parables. This is very considerate of him because we don't like direct criticism, right? In fact, if I were to directly criticize you, you were to directly criticize me, my first response is defense. Like, even if you're right, it's hard for me to receive that, particularly if I don't know you really well, if you're new into my life, going, oh, well, well, even if it's true, I'm going to discount the truth of it just because it, it, you know, just the, the approach. So what Jesus does is he doesn't, I mean, he does it sometimes. He directly offends some religious leaders. But a lot of times when he's trying to bring new people into the fold, he tells stories. And the stories, there's typically someone who represents Jesus or God or both and someone who represents us, right? And so we see, we see this happen. So Jesus is about to tell a parable, really, really important. This is not a true story, but these stories have deep truth in them. Got it? So here we go. Verse five, here's what it says. A sower went out, to sow his seed, okay? I'll go and tell you, Jesus is the sower, and you're not the seed, okay? I want to be clear there. So a sower, that's Jesus, because went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air devoured it. So some seed goes down on a, on a hard path, right? 
and uh, the, the birds of the hour, uh, the, the air devoured it. And he, I'm just going to continue, and we'll, we'll catch it back up, because Jesus, this is one of the few times, he actually stops and goes, no, let me explain the parable to you, right? And, and some fell on the rock, and as it grew up, it withered away, because it had no moisture, and some fell among thorns, and the uh, thorns grew up with it and choked it, and some fell into good soil and grew and yielded hundredfold. As he said these things, he called out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Okay, if you've grown up in church, you're somewhat familiar with this passage probably. So I just say, just throw all that away for just one morning. You can go back to the or things later. But just for now, let's just, let's just imagine being these, this first century. They're falling around trying to figure out what they want to, what they're supposed to do with their lives. And they're going, oh, I'm going to start following this guy because the last rabbi, he bored me. He, he didn't, you know, focus enough on the things I thought he should focus on, whatever it is, right? And so they're moving behind Jesus, and Jesus starts to tell some crazy stories. And they would have heard this as crazy. They're going, they're, this wasn't a normal way to teach, right? And they're going, what is he talking about? Like he's, I thought he was going to tell me about him, tell me about the kingdom, tell me about how to make my life better, tell me, how, tell me about how he's going to overthrow the, the Roman Empire so that we can finally have our own nation again. Like, those things are what I thought he came to do. And he starts telling these crazy stories. So he's hearing the crazy story, and he goes, what in the world is this? All right? So Jesus tells the story, and at the end of it, he says, he who has ears, let him hear. So, hey, guys, anybody with ears, raise your hand, because you're supposed to hear this. Those ears, though, really, really important. It literally means those capable of comprehending. Those capable of comprehending. In other words, some of us aren't. Jesus is saying, some of, you, some of you aren't capable of understanding this. Okay, but those of you who are capable, how do you hear this? Now I would just say, oh, may you ask, even this moment, right? This moment, just whisper to God himself, God, would you help me be capable of understanding this? Even if you don't believe any of this stuff yet. Go, you can even go, God, if you're real, sure. Okay, Jesus, if this is really true, I don't understand it all. Would you just help me be capable of having ears to hear this right now? Right, right? I mean, what do you got to lose? Nothing. Nothing. You're going to be here. We're all sitting here. So it makes sense. That Jesus was saying, God, would you, would you, those of you have ears, those of you capable of comprehending, would you, would you hear this? What Jesus is going in order for you to understand this, in order for you to understand the kingdom of God and your access to it, it is through faith. In order for you to participate in the mission of bringing the kingdom of God to earth, it is through faith. And the way by which you gain faith is only through hearing. So, if you want access to this, you want 2021 to be the year that we see Jesus do some amazing things through his spirit in us. It starts with hearing. So, hey, God, would you allow me to hear? So he's going to be really nice, and he's going to explain this parable in just a second. Verse 9, it says this. And when the, his disciples asked him what the parable meant, <laughs> I love this, because, you know, you can imagine they're all sitting there, and they're like, uh, you know what it meant? You know what it meant? I don't know. Hey, ask him. No, you ask him. No, you ask him. Peter's like, I don't know. Okay. What does it mean? Right? Whatever it is. So they ask him what it means, and he said, to you. And has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God. And I would say, to you, to you, right? It has been, it has been, a, uh, uh, it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God. But for others, they are in parables. This is it. This is how you finally grasp this. So that seeing, they may not see. They're not going to get it. And hearing, 
they may not understand. Hey, there's folks like right now, and you're going, nah, I don't really want to even ask the question. I just want you to be done. And they're like, it's fine. Glad you're here. Really, no, no pressure in those things. But it's going, for those of you who are looking, wanting to grasp this, you're going to get it today. Why? Because faith comes through hearing, and hearing comes through the word of Christ, like this is it. This is the, the initiation, but when we start to study and learn about what Jesus has for us and uh, activate that into the world. So Jesus says this. Now the parable is this. So nice of him. He's going to explain all things. Now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. Got it? Seed equals the word of God. Oh, thanks. So we're going, what's the seed? The seed's not you. The seed's not even Jesus. The seed, the seed, the seed, what you're trying to hear. The seed is the word of God. Meaning, let me just be clear. What Jesus wants you to understand is this is the way by which this gets activated, rooted in your life, and, and it begins to plant, right? Through the word of God. Through the word of God. So the seed is the word of God. The ones along the path are those who have heard. So let me tell you about the first set of people, right? On the soil, the hardened path, right? The, are those who have heard then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so they may not believe and be saved. Okay, so now, now you're invited into it. So let's talk about different categories. The first set are those with the, on the hard, packed-down paths, right? It's not tilled up. It's not loose. It's not easy for the seed to get in. It actually stays on the top so it never roots. The, the birds come and eat it, devour, right? And so the, he's going, hey, the first set are the people— who have hard hearts. Lands on your heart. But it never gets in there. This is where we want to see all this intellectually. Right? You're not going to grasp this fully intellectually because it's the craziest, stupidest story in the world. The king of the universe steps out of heaven onto a planet. He puts on human flesh as a baby and wets himself and uses the bathroom on himself in a barn. This is so backwards from how we would view the mightiest, greatest power in the whole world. And so it is, it is foolishness in terms of what Jesus is willing to do. And here's how you know. You wouldn't do it. Neither would I. So to just grasp this intellectually, I mean, we might get it, but here's, here's the question. Like, have you experienced it? Like, have you really experienced this news? Like, just news. Like, literally just this morning, I was working on these notes and going back through it. It's so broken. Like, God, like, brought to mind, like, literally right in the front of my mind, like, my behavior growing up. And at first glance, I felt so much shame. Like, God, like, how did I do those things? I'm just, like, oh, my goodness, what a wretch. How in the world, Josh, you were so broken and so self-righteous. And in that moment, I felt like God was going, no, 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 no. I'm not bringing this to your mind so you'd feel shame. I'm bringing this to your mind so you can find relief, right? Like, no, no, no. Josh, that's, that's gone. And, you know, as far as the east is from the west— you are free. You have repented, and I have, I have released you from that bondage. Have you had that kind of experience where you see who you were and then see what God has done for you? I'm not talking about intellectually. I'm not talking about on a whiteboard. I'm talking of you literally came to face-to-face -face with your depravity and God's glory and how that just enwraps you with absolute grace and absolute mercy and absolute freedom. She's going, no, no. Some of you, you've never done that. You've, you've spent your time going, no, 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 you know, I, I don't get it intellectually, or I get it intellectually, and you do those things. He's going, look, well, this is really important. Because if you've just done this intellectually, experientially, when bad things have happened, you've just walked away. Oh, I get it. I get it cognitively, but I've never 
felt this. And when hard stuff happens, because it's right there on the surface, you just get devoured in that. You turn your back on it. You go back to anything and everything that could bring you some temporary relief. Why? Because you've had, a, you've had an intellectual experience, but not a supernatural freedom experience. So for some of us, that's it. You just can check out right now in your pew, in your living room, and you can pause it. You can do whatever and just go, okay, Lord, I, I need the seed to go deeper than that, right? So some of you, that Jesus going, he's got a hard heart. It's never actually penetrated your heart. It's never rooted in your soul. So of course your faith hasn't grown because it's never actually gotten below the surface, right? And so the second one, he says this. And then, and then, the ones, and the ones, sorry, there's no then there. And the ones on the rock are those who, when they heard the word, received it with joy. But they have no root. They believe for a while. In time of testing, they fall away. So first one, hard hearts. It's never even been able to get down into the soil. Second one, second one. Got a shallow heart shallow heart. You know, it, it rooted. It rooted. It was real. We had the goosebumps. You caught sight of what it's like to live in the kingdom and find freedom and forgiveness. But, 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 when you bought into this thing, it wasn't that you wanted to be in God's kingdom. You wanted Jesus to be in your kingdom. Right? So you invite them in. Oh, no, I want you in. I want you in. But just right here, just to fix this. Fix my marriage. Fix my finances. Fix my job. Help me with my addiction. Right? Oh, wait, you didn't do the things I thought you would do, Jesus. You didn't fix my marriage. You didn't get me out of bankruptcy. I am still struggling day in and day out with that bottle. Right? And you go, well, what's the good of any of this stuff if it didn't fix those things? So what do you do? Shallow heart. It never digs roots. So you know the purpose of roots in a tree. One is to get some water, right, to feed the tree. But it's more than that. It is the only way by which a tree makes it through the storm, right? Even, you know, if trees with shallow roots, particularly when it gets really wet and they're not, the, the water gets a little looser, in those storms, those are the first things uproot. You can see them. You can see the whole tree come. You can see the roots come up with it, right? So we know, we know roots, roots, roots are the way by which you get through a storm. And so Jesus is going, there will be storms. And those of you with a shallow heart, you've invited me in to fix your problems, but you've never, never weathered through the storms with me. You never allowed the roots to grow deeper in the middle of your pain or your sorrow. You never said, even in the middle of my mess, God is still God, and he is still good. Right? And so he's going, those are those with you shallow hearts. And again, maybe that's where you are. Maybe he's got to pause and go, yep, God, I liked you when things were good, but I haven't really cared for you when things have gotten bad. In the moments where I should have pursued you the most, in the moments I walked away from you the most. Then he continues, right? It says this, verse 14. And as for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear. So they hear. But as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life. I just be honest with you as I kind of work through this for me personally, and I think like as the shepherd of this thing trying to sort through it, Lead, lead us all from where we are to where God would have us to be to nourishment. I think this is the one for most of us. By the cares and riches and pleasures of their life and their fruit does not mature, right? Maybe some of us have a hard heart. Maybe some of you have a shallow heart. But I'd say this is the big one. A divided heart. A divided heart. You see, you're fully bought in right this second. You sang the songs. 
just this morning, you're speaking about Jesus, and you 100% with conviction believe every single bit of it. Right? But then you go back into the world, go back into your job, and you somehow, I somehow, I somehow, somehow forget that Jesus is Lord and Jesus is in charge. And a really quick example is when something bad goes in your life, right? Or you're in an argument, right? Do you try to win the argument, explain the thing, or do you pause and go, Jesus has got this. Think about with your spouse, right? When you try to talk to your spouse if you're married and you don't say, Jesus has got this. You go, I'm not sure Jesus is going to be in this. So let me fix the problem. Let me convince them of what they should do different, right? So we spend our time and energy trying to move people and make things happen. I'll tell you, that is the the, the deepest problem for me is sometimes I don't know if it's God or me because sometimes I can manufacture some things that seem like they're God, right? And so manufacturing these things and then giving God credit is not the same as resting going, God, it is. If this is either you're going to figure this out, you're going to come through and you're going to get the credit or I'm going to fall flat on my face, right? That, that's what faith is. It's taking a leap and going, I'm not sure you're going to catch me, but I know that I can't catch myself, right? And so the big problem for us is just the self-reliance. It's not even that you do it with um, arrogance or, you know, selfishness. We're just hardwired to say in our mind, if it's to be, it's up to you, right? You hear all the speeches when people get the, the golden globes or the trophies or the Heisman. You know what they say? You can do anything you put your mind to. So deep down, we think our job is to put our mind to it and then put our hands to the plow and go make it happen all by ourselves, right? And so this is someone who goes, yep, I believe all these things. And yet... My life doesn't reflect that because Monday through Friday, I actually believe it's up to me, right? We model this for our kids. We believe our number one responsibility is to provide for our children, right? To put food on the table, give them a better life than you had, whatever those things are. Pay the mortgage. Hear me, hear me, hear me. Your number one responsibility is not to do those things. You are just going to continue the pattern. Your number one responsibility is to model faith in Jesus, right? Not wow, daddy's great. Look at how he provided. Man, God is great. Look at the gifts and experiences that he gave to my parents to use for his glory. And at the same time, get a meal and a mortgage paid, right? Your number one responsibility isn't to be the one who provides, but to point to the one who actually provides. But when I say that, it's like that's the divided heart because deep ingrained in our head is this idea that we are the ones who perform and provide. It is our provision that gets us through not God. And he goes, those are the ones. Those are the ones that they, they have well-meaning with. Those thorns come in. Those distractions come in. And it just gets choked out. For many of us, we just leaned our head down over the last six months ago. We're just going to get through this, right? And now we're experiencing just the weight of the thorns of all those things. I'll tell you, that's what 2020 was a reminder of. Like, this time last year, I am, I'm, I'm on sabbatical right? I'm not with you all. And I'm sitting still going, God, I don't know how to get out of this. I don't even know that I want to stay in it, right? And it was this, it was this divided heart of going, Josh, you, you, you've had a lot of experience where you can just push through and make things happen. That's been, that's been what you thought was your go-to gift, but it actually is your greatest weakness. You cannot manufacture a move of God, right? It's just pausing going, God, if we're going to go anywhere, it's going to have to be at your pace, with your spirit pointing in your direction and supplying and providing everything we need. And most of us don't know what that experience is like because we've had a divided heart. So he points out these folks. And then verse 15 says this. 
and ask for that in the good soil. They are those who, hearing the word of God, hold it fast. Hold it fast. Bring it in fast. Let it go down into the soil. Hold it fast in an honest and good heart. And bear fruit with, hear me, hear me, hear me, with patience. Listen to this. Those are the good soil. The good soil. They bring it in fast. They retain it. They take this word of God and go, oh God, would you put that into my heart? Oh God, would you make that real in my life? And then they hold it fast with patience. This is so important that you get. So important that you get it. That when we talk about patience, just by definition, it means it takes a while. It takes a while. Right? And this is why this is so countercultural. Because you would think a move of the greatest king in the world would come and he would set up shop and it would be like a big, big boulder. But it's not. It's a little bit. You can't even see it. Tiny seed. God is always doing something big. But it rarely ever seems like it. Right? This is what, this is the, this is the imagery. This is the imagery. Jesus is planting something in us. And it's small. You know how long it takes to grow something in soil. It needs nutrients day by day. Light and good soil and water day by day. Little by little. This isn't, it springs up overnight. And most of us have a divided heart because it didn't happen on our timeline in our way. Or didn't go with the expectation you had. But could you root and worship the God who doesn't meet your expectations, right? Because you can bring it in here. And this is what I want you to get. This is what you want to get. Because our, our natural inclination is to go, okay, 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 okay. I got I to gotta, I gotta get the rocks out. I got to get the, I got to pack, I got to till up the soil, right? Even when I've shared this parable, I've shared it heretically. So I said, you know what? I always hear this in only one in four already. But that means, church, we got more work to do. We got to till up the soil. We got to remove the rocks. Like, as if it's me who does the work. That's heresy. Here's what I want you to hear. You know who you are in this parable? You're just the soil. You're just the soil. Your job is not to remove the rocks, you're not the farmer. Your job is not to rip up the thorns. You're not the sower. Your job is not to make sure the seeds go in the right place. Your job is to let this, this seed come into your heart and let it root and then fruit. And then out of that fruit comes the joy of people getting to enjoy the fruit of what you have allowed through endurance and patience to be produced. You get this, like, it's all Jesus. The thing is, we're just, we're just little incubators, right? We're just creating some soil for the kingdom of God to start in our heart, and then it roots, and then it fruits. And then all those people around us get to just walk by and enjoy the fruit of what God has done. You get to go, no, 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 I didn't produce this fruit. I'm not capable of, no, 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 don't be impressed by me. No, no, I did not manufacture this. I'm, I'm not the, I'm not the, the gardener. I'm not the farmer. I'm just, just the soil. Oh, may it be that we can celebrate what God has done in my life because I've, I've, I've wrestled with and allowed the endurance. And so when it says there, the good and honest. See that? Hearing the word, hold fast in a good, honest and good heart. That word good there, I want you to hear this. That means that which inspires and motivates others to embrace what is lovely. Let me say that again. That which inspires and motivates others to embrace 
what is lovely. You see, when he's calling us good, he's going, could you just, could you just let it take root? Could you hear this and understand it and let it take root? Because, because you're just the soil. Your only job in this, remember? The seed is the word of God. The seed is the word of God. Your only job in this is to let this word become into us and start to root and fruit. And see, let me just explain to you why I don't think that's happened. It's because of the divided heart. Why in the world would God let something fruit in our life that we could take credit for? Why in the world would he do something miraculous and marvelous in our lives and in our church and in our families if we're unsure of whether it was God or us? Right? Like, why in the world would he do that? Because it just exacerbates the problems of our world, which we think it's about us and our performance. So we've got to let it come into us with patience and endurance and long-suffering, going, I don't see the sprouts yet, but I know. I know the roots are being dug deep. And this word and the seed is growing in my heart. And one day, I don't know if it's tomorrow, I don't know if it's next week, next month, or next year, one day, I will, they will, we all will enjoy the fruits of allowing this endurant, patient heart to let this seed and let the gardener himself trim us and prune us and produce that fruit in us. So faith comes from hearing. Here we are. And hearing comes from what's going to happen. You're going to hear it. You're going to keep processing this. And you're going to come to the point with that fruit up out of you that you can't contain it. You can't help but speak about the goodness of Jesus. And as you speak about him and his kingdom, it's going to start to be brought about in our world. And more people are going to hear about it. More people are going to think about it. And more people are going to start speaking about it. And this is how the Holy Spirit moved in the first century, the way I think the Holy Spirit wants to move right now in whatever century you're in, 21st century. This is what I think is going to happen. This is how I think God works. And here's the beauty of it. What he's telling us to do, he's not asking you to fight through all the soils or all those different things. He's telling you he'll do that. And the band's going to come up, and we're about to take communion together. But here's the beauty. Beauty, you got to see this. Jesus, Jesus was placed on some really, really rocky soil in the desert. And what it says here, and those that were tempted, Jesus was tempted. Tempted with this hard soil in this way and and satan comes in and speaks hey you can have all this stuff and what does jesus do he clings to the word of god and he overcomes it and then jesus jesus is murdered on a cross right and he is put in a tomb behind a massive rock he has experienced what it's like to have rocks placed in front of us as obstacles and what does he do he rolls the rock away and jesus 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 right before he's about to be murdered they're making fun of him. They're calling him the king of Jews, sarcastic and ironically. And they take this crown. Remember what was on the crown? Thorns. His seed, his soil, literally received the thorns placed on his head. And that was his blood that was shed. His blood that was shed. In other words, in other words, throughout the scriptures, Jesus has already overcome the obstacles that he's telling us will come before us. So then, how do we deal with the same obstacles? through him so you'll see throughout the scriptures is i can do all things through christ who strengthens me in him so what we get to do in this moment right we get to do is we get to invite him literally into our lives and so the beauty of communion when jesus reminds us he he first takes the he takes the bread and you can peel off this top little piece be careful it's kind of hard to get to ready make sure i can covid we'll get back to some other stuff guys but this 
want to honor you in this moment. So he takes his little wafer, right? <laughs> takes the bread, and he breaks it. And what does he do? He reminds us that it's his body that was broken for who? His body that was given for who? You. So that you could be overcomers with him inside you. So would you take this? Would you invite Jesus in? And then he took some wine. He held it up and goes, guys, I want you to see this. This is my blood. Remember, remember, thorns placed in my head and they dripped on my face. Placed in my head, dripped on my face. It was given to you. It was my blood that was shed. It was my blood that covers you. It's not you having to get through things. It's me and you. You can take this. You can invite me in. And you can do this in remembrance of me. Would you join us? What's going to happen now is the band's going to lead you in a song, and it's everything that we just talked about. It's hearing this and thinking about it. And here's what we're going to say over and over again. Here's my heart, Lord. That's your soil. Here's my heart, Lord. Would you speak what is true? In other words, would you root and fruit in me what is true? So I double-dog dare you in this moment to sing these words and mean these words. And a lot of times I'll tell you to sit and reflect. I would actually invite you to stand, even if you're out in your car or in the living room, invite you to stand to, to like put some focus and attention to this and go, here is my heart, Lord. Here's my soil. May I receive your word. May that be the seed. Would you speak what is true? And would that turn my life into a life that brings fruit for myself, my family, and for others? So would you stand with me as we sing?
guys off. I'm going to send you off with this benediction. As we go throughout our week, as we are daily giving our hearts and giving our lives to the Lord, may this be our prayer and may this be what we remind ourselves of. May God's love surround you. May God's spirit guide you. May God's whisper cheer you. May God's peace calm you. May God's shield protect you. May God's wisdom arm you wherever God may lead you. Amen. Thank you guys so much for joining us this week, and we'll see you right here next week. Take care. Speak your